Do do we need to say? I don't know where you want to start the first episode. Do we need to say, "Hey, Marcella, hey Shannon," so you have it? Oh yeah, we didn't even do that, did we? Okay. Hey, Mar. <laughs> Were you gonna say, "Hey, Marcella," to yourself? I was. I'm Marcella. <laughs> you are Marcella. <laughs> Hi, Marcella. Hey, Shannon. Now we're right. Now we're good. <laughs> now we're good. Can't make this stuff up. <laughs> Thank goodness it's not a live show. Do you have a black thumb? Are you wondering what the word horticulture means? Are you a little bit seedy? A little shady? Do you stand in the garden and wonder, what the f am I doing? Do you look at people's yards and wonder, what the f are they doing? If so, this podcast is for you, no matter your gardening experience level. I'm Shannon. And I'm Marcella, two friends who like to laugh and learn our way through life and gardening. Tune in as we interview some awesome people who talk to us about their love for plants, trees, gardens, bugs, and more. Welcome to CD and Shady AF, a sketchy gardening podcast. Hey, Shannon. Marcella. So, um, are you still like, are you taking questions? Are you still interacting with the little people after your win at the top tomato contest? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm better than everybody else now, but. Okay. So the fame has gone through your head. <laughs> the fame was always going to go to my head. Always. I feel like, I feel like a champion. As you, as you should, that's pretty freaking fantastic. It's also my personality trait. Like anybody that asks, I'm going to say, hi, I'm Marcella. Also my friend won third place at the top tomato contest. So I'm also taking credit. I did nothing. <laughs> no, you did. You moral support. Oh, you know, so moral support. And that, that actually leads into the episode today. Um, a lot about what our guest, our guest, Alethea from Grow Leafy. Um, she, it was a great conversation I have with her and she talked a lot about how plants and about people and how there are so many of the needs that are the same for plants and people and how people can, uh, plants can really help you as a form of therapy. And, and that's really nice. So, so that's what you do. That's what you did for me and my tomatoes. You supported me and my tomatoes and we get in the third place. I am here for you, friend. And the other reason I really enjoyed our conversation with Alethea, not that I'm biased, but she's also a social worker, just like me. That's my day job as well. So it was really cool to have somebody who does that on our show. So it's going to be an excellent episode. And, and just like Shannon said, a lot of cool things she talks about to include how plants, how she changed her whole lifestyle. Um, and that's why she got into gardening. So this one is a, a special one. We actually have it broken into two parts so that you can come back and watch it on or listen to it at your own leisure. And also we're going to be out um, next week for celebration of Juneteenth. So we will not have an episode next week. We'll be back the following week. So this is a two-parter that we're putting out for you all so you can get your fix of the podcast this week and next week. You will be sorely missed. Absolutely. So sit back, relax, and hope you learn something new. So before we get started, I do want to say that your hair looks so awesome. 
I love it. Thank you. Okay, Thank now we can you. move on because I just need to, to, <laughs> to make sure that everybody knew how cute your dreads are looking. Uh, Thank you. It's been it's been a journey. So, you know, it's been a couple years now. And so it's it's coming along. Awesome. So, Alethea, I'll go ahead and get us started with the first question. So um, can you tell us about your journey as a gardener? How did you get started and why is gardening important to a sustainable, healthy lifestyle? Well, um, I got started in gardening, not actually initially because I had wanted to, it's just like I fell right into it. It was something that just, you know, fell into my lap and, and it takes me back to why I started changing the foods that I was eating because years ago with, this has been almost about eight years ago, I became a vegetarian and I was having Christmas dinner one year with family and, and a few friends um, of my family members, and they were not eating the meat. And I was like, why aren't you eating any of the food? I'm like, why are you doing this? And then they explained to me what plant that they were, you know, they were on a plant-based diet. It wasn't a diet, but, you know, they were eating plant-based foods. And I was like, well, what is that? Well, tell me more about that. And so they started talking to me about plant-based eating and, and what it really meant. And so I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And so I did a little bit more research about plant-based eating and just the effects that it has on your body and the health and the way that improves the body. And I just, I don't know, just, there was a switch. Something just happened then. And it wasn't about guarding. It was, it was just that switch of just changing the way that I eat. And so I started changing it at that point. And then I had a lot of other family members who were family members and friends who were getting sick and ill. Mm -hmm. And then and so I started noticing in even other people's lives, people that I knew who were starting to change the way they eat based on finding out that they were sick and that they were ill. And mm -hmm. so they were waiting to the point that they were terminally ill. And so I had a family member who passed away in cancer with cancer and, and other family members as well that had terminal illnesses. And it was in those last six months where they were like, okay, I need to change what I eat. I, I need to start juicing. And so my thoughts, I started thinking, well, I need to start changing the way I eat, not waiting until someone diagnoses me with an illness, but what can I do to prevent illnesses or pre just enhance my life so I live a healthy lifestyle for a longer period of time, because we're all going to pass away. I know that. So I started changing my mindset at that point. And then so over the years, as I was eating healthier, and then just living life and going to the grocery stores and finding out more, you know, recalls on fruits, <laughs> vegetables, plants, I was like, well, heck, I can't even... <laughs> I'm changing meat. I can't even eat vegetables. vegetables right? they're, they're sick now too, you know? So there was issues with that. And so then over the years, then just starting to think, okay, what can I do better? Um, I did not have an interest really in growing foods. I did not know how. I did not have a green thumb. I did not have the skill. But I started seeing a neighbor across from me who had a small garden. And in his garden, it started really small. And then each year it got bigger and better and better. And I was just watching his journey. He doesn't even know this. I need to tell him this story. <laughs> and then that inspired me because I wasn't interested. And I just thought that was just really so interesting. And then mm -hmm. I started getting interested in it. So that's how it all started. And then, mm -hmm. um, and the other thing was 
just my spiritual growth as well. Um, God just started pressing upon my heart that I need to do better. I needed to grow more spiritually. I needed to really understand just, you know, society as a whole, because I'm a counselor, I'm a social worker, and just what can I do to improve my health, my family? And then I just went on this very focused, laser-focused journey on how can I grow my own foods? That's pretty much how it all started. Wow. For me. But I did not have a green thumb. I killed everything that I touched. I (laughs) knew absolutely nothing. Well, you know, that's what you and Marcella have in common. Yes. Yes. In addition to being social workers, um, also not having a green thumb. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, um, I think it's really interesting, Alethea, to kind of hear your journey and kind of how it all started. And and pretty much a couple of things that you kind of touched upon, you know, is about not waiting until we're at a point where we need to make a change necessarily for our health, you know, but mm-hmm. kind of thinking about it, what kind of things can we, you know, do in our diet and changes to the way that we live to kind of help us, you know, live longer, a healthier lives, you know, which is Absolutely. a really good, really good place to kind of pick it up at. And then you found that within yourself and within your family, and then you kind of built it out to kind of bring those meaningful things to your community. So that's, you know, really neat. Absolutely. I, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about what, what planting zone do you live in? What USDA zone Six. are you in? Six. Six. So, six. Okay. So what, what kind of things do you have in your garden right now? Like what kind of plants and herbs do you like to grow? What are you growing now? Right now I've cleaned everything up. So because I'm trans, I'd not only grow outdoors, but I grow indoors as well. Okay. So I really want to spend time growing indoors. I have an indoor garden and an outdoor garden. And so right now everything is pretty much is complete. And so the last few things actually that I just finished harvesting and working on today, actually, I finished cleaning up the um, black walnuts that I had stored in a bin for six weeks. <laughs> they were just sitting there and 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 I should have done something with them a long time ago, but I've been really busy. So I was able to finally clean that up. So that's the last thing that I've been able to harvest were the black walnuts. But also towards the end of my... Um, the growing time that I had this this fall, I had turnips. I was harvesting still. Actually, I started growing microgreens because I'm starting to grow indoors. It's it's really not over for me. <laughs> okay. So I know a lot of gardeners take a break in the winter time. I'm just not growing outdoors in the winter because right now I'm actually um build we're building another enclosure for a second, about 200 square feet garden space. So I'm going to have two gardening spaces. So I'm continually growing um, my garden area. So I'm working on projects for the long term for next year. But in the fall, in particular, I did have some, you know, potatoes that I harvested, greens, um, Swiss chard, and it cleared those out in in the turnips. That was, those those were just some of the few things that I was growing, but I was really starting to work on projects and composting. Right. And um, and growing indoors. So now I'm starting to grow indoors. some microgreens. And that's what I've been eating for the past few weeks are, are microgreens. Oh, very cool. Can you talk a little bit about what what you mean when you say microgreens? Absolutely. So when you start planting, the first thing that pops up in the soil is a little tiny cotyledon. It's it's before the true leaves, the true leaves that continually grow on the plant. And so the little green thing, the the little sprout you see, that's a microgreen. So I eat those and it okay. tastes, the microgreen itself tastes like the full grown fruit or plant oh, wow. vegetable. But okay. in between the in-between phases, you wouldn't really, you wouldn't eat it. It would 
you know, it would be as if you were to grow, you can make a sunflower microgreens. Well, if you're growing a sunflower, you're not going to (laughs) eat cut it's fuzzy like the texture right. itself <laughs> right right you know you're not gonna eat the leaves and the, <laughs> the stem that just wouldn't make sense but the actual coddling that pops up is so good it tastes like sunflower seeds oh, so wow. when I grow a radish microgreens the leaf itself tastes like radishes so I chop it up and I add it to sandwiches or if I'm making burritos or adding as a fancy garnish on my on my plate of food that adds the flavor so I love cilantro as well so I'll grow Mm. cilantro microgreens and I grow it indoors underneath lights I have it in a tray about 10 the size 20 it's not very large so it's about this size can you well you have listeners so I have to give them numbers sorry (laughs) (laughs) 10 by there's I have two size trays like 10 by 20 or 10 by 10 size trays and so I'm using the 10 the 10 by 10 size trays right now because it's just for me and my family and so I've been growing radish michael green cilantro and also broccoli and it tastes just like it and so I also have some more seeds so I'm getting ready to get started with that and then also growing hydroponically growing kale swiss chard lettuce and some other things indoors as well so that's what I will be making videos of in the coming few months Nice, nice. And I think that microgreens are always really neat to grow because like, you know, you can just grow them for the little, you grow the the plant for the little microgreens. You don't have to wait as long to eat them. And then, you know, you can juice with them. You can put them on as a garnish. You can use them all kinds of things. And they taste, like you said, Alita, just like the plant. Like I know little radish microgreens are always so spicy when you eat them. They're like like the radish and it's just really spicy. So yes, Marcella. Marcella, that would be a good start for you. I think that that's always good for say. kind of be- beginner gardeners, people yes. who like to grow indoors, people who have kids and you can kind of yes. see where you're growing. So yeah, no, that I cannot wait. That's I'm so excited for you. That's really neat. <laughs> <laughs> so and and so with the microgreens, do you, yes. is that what you set out to grow or so like, are there specific seeds to grow microgreens or is it just the byproduct of what you're like, if you're growing a radish, you, you get a microgreen from the yeah, plant that well, sprouts to be the, a, a radish. Yes. And so it is the same. It pretty much is the same seeds, but the companies that I'm purchasing it from, they pretty much are selecting seeds and putting in packaging seeds that give you an excellent germination rate. Okay. Right. Because you are packing in hundreds of seeds into one tray. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's a lot of seeds. And it takes 10 to 14 days. It's really quick turnaround. It's 10 mm-hmm. to 14 days to harvest. Wow, and yeah. it's beautiful. It is beautiful. And I think you would definitely enjoy it because it's a good start. And when I started growing and really building up confidence in my growing, I started with microgreens. That was mm-hmm. one of them. I did grow a garden outside, but it was not successful. But my success actually was with microgreens. So, okay, gotcha. I, and this, okay. Um, this summer, I actually... Uh, taught a class to a um, a group of kids. I had about, I think it was like 50, 50 kids that I was teaching gardening to and microgreens is what they were growing. Oh, very cool. Very mm-hmm. cool. So very fast, like return on investment, it sounds like, which yes. is really good for the impatient spirit that I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so- Hi there. Seed in the Shade here with some interesting facts about microgreens. Microgreens are young vegetable greens that are approximately one to three inches tall. 
They are considered baby plants, falling somewhere between a sprout and a baby green. These greens have an aromatic flavor and concentrated nutrient content and come in a variety of colors and textures. Despite their small size, they pack a nutritional punch, often containing higher nutrient levels, up to 40 times in some cases, than more mature vegetable greens. This makes them a good addition to any diet. But they can lose their nutrient content very quickly when cooked, so they are generally eaten raw. Microgreens vary in tastes, which can range from neutral to spicy, slightly sour, or even bitter, depending on the variety. So, we could say that there's a microgreen out there for everyone. Until next time. Back to transitioning to a healthier lifestyle, did you give up meat all at once, or was it more so gradual? And if it was gradual, what was the hardest maybe mm. maybe thing to remove from your diet? Mm-hmm. So chicken was the hardest. (laughs) Chicken was the hardest. So it was, I went off and on with this over the years. Even I remember back into my twenties trying to do the whole vegetarian thing, but it was just, it was, I was not ready for it in my mindset. And, and like I mentioned, it really had to do with just finding a way of how to do it and finding different recipes that taste really good in order to do it. So it was a progression at first, but when I had that conversation with these in, with those two individuals, it was a brother and a sister about just plant based eating. And then I watched a movie. I watched <laughs> Knife Over Fork or Fork Over Knives, and I watched oh, yes, yes. I, I watched that, and I was sold. <laughs> I had my body. <laughs> I was sold. I was like, "That's good enough." <laughs> and so then it was it was an absolute. It was that moment, and I never mm-hmm. turned back. But I've tried it before in the past and it wasn't, you know, wasn't as successful, but that did it. For some reason, it just clicked that time. And then with people getting sick that I knew, I just knew there was just something that I wanted to do just a little bit differently. But yes, chicken was very hard. And as well, my family's from the Caribbean islands. Okay. So (laughs) Jamaicans, and I mean, my family, we're from the Caribbean. My husband, they're from Guyana, South America. And so not eating meat around them, they, it was very, very difficult <laughs> yeah. because that's a part of our culture, you know, Absolutely. that is a part of our culture. So it was, it was very challenging, but you know, I had to end the end goal and I felt better too. Yeah. And um, I actually have had quite a few people following me online, asking me, wow, about my skin while well, your skin's glowing and what are you doing? Like, what, what is your routine? And I really, it's not that much of anything, but when I became a vegetarian, my skin changed. I noticed Mm -hmm. that my pores were better. I had less breakout of acne and things like that. I still get acne. Actually, I have one right now, but. um, (laughs) Well, you know what? It's, it's not a a TV, it's not a TV show. It's an audio show. So, you know, no one will, no one can see it. No one can see it. It's all good. You can edit this out, but it's okay. No, it's okay. Transparency is important, but you know, that changed as well, you know, so I was feeling the differences in my body. So I did not want to go back and switch it because I know that it takes time when you make a transition in your life, it takes time reverting back and going back doing it. Yeah. It's so funny. You mentioned um, the piece about, you know, South American culture. So my family's from Colombia and we just actually returned. We returned from Shannon and I and our families were in Colombia over the last couple of weeks. And my husband is also transitioning. He's kind of in that phase of 
he's a pescatarian slash vegetarian slash vegan. I think he's trying to find like his, his sweet spot. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was trying to explain to my family, um, we, we, so he started with, my husband started with no pork Mm -hmm. and ask Shannon every, pretty much every day we were in Colombia, we were eating chicharron and like right. pork and stuff like that. So it was, so that was like our whole diet. So, but I was, it was, I was trying to explain to my family, to like my grandparents and aunts and uncles, like my husband doesn't eat meat and they're like, okay, no problem. We'll just cook chicken. And I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean all meat. So it is a really <laughs> difficult, sometimes culturally it can be really challenging It is to explain it that journey. It definitely is. It definitely yeah. is, but it, it, it was a, I, I made a quick, a quick turn that one day, but now that I think about it some more over the years, even prior to that, I, I mean, I really started exercising a lot more and just taking my care of my body in other ways. I love staying active, but I remember leaving beef, you know, beef alone, mm. you know, at one mm-hmm. point because that was hard on my system mm-hmm. and I was dealing with endometriosis as well, some severe endometriosis. So I've had to have a few surgeries to deal with that. And because of the beef, it was just harder on the system. Mm -hmm. So I took that out many years ago, that might have been 15 years ago. And then Mm -hmm. I just stuck with, you know, chicken and fish and turkey and things like that. So there were certain things that I started to slowly take away, you know, even Mm -hmm. with my hair, I went natural at one point, it was about Mm -hmm. 15, maybe 15 years ago and it was reducing the chemicals. So I'm I'm just in all aspects of my life, I was starting to make gradual changes, which brought me into, I, I truly believe brought me into this place of gardening. Yeah. That's that's a really I, I really like your story. It's really interesting. Thank you. <laughs> and so you've kind of talked about a couple of the paradigm shifts in your life that led to a healthier eating and lifestyle. Talk a little bit about growing, eating, and self-care, right? They're the three key words in your YouTube channel. So elaborate mm-hmm. on those, please. Mm-hmm. Growing, eat, and self-care. Well, first of all, I'm gonna start with self self-care it is important that we take care of ourselves because we are faced, every human on this earth is faced with so much trauma or secondary trauma. And trauma from the first part is, you know, experiencing it yourself. The secondary trauma is just knowing someone else that is going through something severe or crisis in their life and it's affecting you. And so it's just the self-care is very important to me. It is something as a social worker, even as a counselor, I've noticed that many of us do not do a good job with self-care. Some of us do, but I've noticed many don't. We don't take lunches when we're supposed to. We don't, we may Mm. not exercise. We give so much to other people. And that's what we love to do. That's what you are, you know, as a social worker or counselor, you're called to do that. But oftentimes we don't take care of ourselves. And so gardening for me, self-care, it definitely is self-care. It has literally forced me to take care of myself because I have to take care of those plants. So it forces me to get outside. It forces me to take a break. It forces me to eat the food and it forces me to eat healthy because if I don't eat, it's just going to rot and go bad. And so it forces me to get exercise because I have to lift bags. I have to till this up. Well, I don't necessarily till the soil, but I have to work the soil with my hands or I'm, you know, bending over, I'm squatting. So it's forcing me to take care of myself. It's also given me the self-care of communicating with other people and meeting a lot of new people. I've met a lot of other gardeners. So I'm developing self-care in terms of relationships with other people, 
And so now that, you know, the energy is positive, it's being passed on to other people, the communication, I'm developing healthy relationships with people that I would have probably would have never communicated with in my life. But I find that with gardening, I have communicated with all cultures, all ages, um, people from different places all over the world. And it is and having and having the most interesting conversations with people mm-hmm. and gardening has brought us together. So that has been really great for my self-care with just relationships with other people. As far as growing foods, I think growing foods is very important to sustainability and being able to be just more autonomous in your, in your, in your life, in your health, your health is, is your richness in life because when you're gone, you're gone. You take care of yourself and you're healthy. You're able to do a lot more in life. And so I just think that that richness of your health is so much more valuable than even money because you can do so much more if you're in, in a good place. You can do so much more in your communities. So growing, I believe, is so important to sustainability. And then eating it. You you must eat the foods and and you don't have to be vegetarian or vegan or anything like that. Just make healthier choices, adding in fruits and vegetables into your diet, into your meal plan, just doing things just a little bit, you know, just doing things just a little bit differently. That's why I have grow. I want people to understand that you need to grow the food. You need to eat it. And then in return, you will be taking care of yourself. I love that. I love the, I love all the themes that you weave into your approach to, to gardening and really to your lifestyle. I kind of want to go back. So you've mentioned a couple of times, like your, your, you know, your job as a social worker. And so your bio mentioned you'd worked as a social worker and counselor for the past 18 years, which I know nobody can see you right now, but that, if you look at your YouTube channel, you do not look like you're old enough to have been practicing for 18 years. So (laughs) I think that's, I think that's fake news, but anyway, (laughs) I guess to some degree you've, you've, you've answered this a little bit, but I'm wondering how do you feel like gardening has intersected with the work that you do with people, with taking care of other people? How do you weave gardening into that? That's such a great question. I learned a lot about relationships through gardening more than I even, you know, knew before, just understanding just the cause and effects of how the insects coming into the garden, how that affects the plant, the diseases that come into the garden, how it affects the plant and its growth, and how the plant has to fight against the diseases, the fung the unwanted funguses and and the traumas that the that the plants experience from storms and from rain and the cold weather. And what we have to do to protect it and the support systems in the garden that are there that help to sustain the plant, to me, just reminds me of counseling and social work. In in a garden, you are planting a seed. You have to care for it. You put you you put your the nutrition into it and you nurture it so that it grows into something that is strong that is healthy it has supports system built around it so even when it is attacked by unwanted pests it can fight against it even even if it's attacked by storms and weather it still bounces back it is resilient well as a social worker and as a counselor I am working to plant seeds into my students and the clientele that I work with. I am motivating them, uplifting them, giving them, surrounding them with 
support systems that help support them because in life, they are going to face losing a family member. They are going to face trauma. They are going to face, you know, trials in life that are come against them. But if I plant the seed and if I nourish them and if I am, am put into their bodies something that is positive that keeps them uplifted when they grow and when they matriculate through life, they will make it through. They will make it through because they will have these lessons in their life that help them to develop as strong individuals in life. We had a conversation the other day with another interviewee and they were mentioning the concept of companion planting and just that same theme you're describing how one member of the ecosystem really supports or can deteriorate the growth of the other part of the ecosystem. And so, um, you know, I jokingly tell Shannon, she's my companion plant because she is one of those friends, (laughs) those friends that, you know, everything is infinitely better and like grows as a result of her being in my life. And it's so nice to have companion, companion plants in your life, you know, people who open doors, Absolutely. (laughs) but um, thank you for sharing. That's why I love her. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely, she's also my companion plan i need her to be in my, in my life companion plan. <laughs> yeah that's beautiful because i mean when you look back when you look back on life and you think of the people that you came across in life you have those memories you remember that and you remember okay that was a companion plan that was a good companion plan you know mm-hmm. it, so that's just wonderful um yeah. to be able to have that rapport with yeah. someone else Absolutely. And gardening's the same way with companion planting. And that is something I'm still a, de- a, I'm a developing gardener. I have a lot to learn, but I just have a passion and I'm taking what I'm learning in my early years of gardening and sharing it with other people. And so companion planting, I know is something that I am going to, you know, learn more about and do more research because I need to provide that support to my plants my babies. <laughs> I know. Aren't they like your little babies? They are my babies. I just looked today. I have a, I have a bunch of them in a, in a seed tray. So, you know, like you have a seed tray and you can put the little soil in and put all the little plants. So I'm trying to grow some kale indoors. And so I put them in a couple of days ago and I came back today and they've all popped up and I am just over the moon with these little yes. tiny, tiny baby plants that I have. So yes, yes. I understand they that. Are. And so you talked a little bit about your social worker now you taught before and you talked a little bit about, you know, going out and being able to teach people about gardening. So what made you start to make, you know, create content on social media platforms? Kind of how that idea come to you? Um, well, it this is another um, and I'm gonna be transparent. It was it was honestly something that God pushed upon my heart. And I, I take it back to that because I and I have to give, you know, full credit to God for that, just because I had no desire to start YouTubing. <laughs> I had no desire to start social media videos and I'm not tech savvy at all. My friends, they know that, but, but when we all went through COVID and we all had to learn how to, you know, how to operate online in this, you know, in this, in this world, I started developing the skills, but I still had no desire, but it was pushed upon my heart to, share the knowledge. You can't keep this to yourself. You have to share it with others. This has been part one of our interview with Alethea. For more about her story, please tune in to part two, already available wherever you listen to podcasts.
This has been the CD and Shady AF podcast. Thanks to all the peas in our pod for listening. We believe in you and we believe in your plants. Follow us for more shenanigans on Instagram at CD and Shady Pod. Until next time, stay seedy, stay shady. And remember, sketchy gardening is still gardening. <laughs>